This is RPCC On Air. And we're back with RPCC On Air in the middle of a pandemic. In the middle of a pandemic. We're, we're all trying to stick together here down at the Republican Party of Cuyahoga County. I'm joined by our chairman, Chairman Rob Frost. Afternoon. And by my always friendly co-host, Jeff Drukowski. How's everyone doing? We are, uh, we're okay. Everyone's in pretty good health yeah, here. Yeah. Uh, maintaining good social distancing as we're recording this podcast. Of course, of course. Got to listen to what the governor's doing and his team of leadership over there. Great leadership, by the way. Great leadership, by the way. Chairman, what, what do you think? I know we're big fans of Governor DeWine down here, but what do you, what can you say about his leadership at the governor during this time? What I'll tell you is just reporting in on what I'm hearing as I talk to uh, leaders in this community, party members, um, supporters, is that they're all very proud of the leadership our governor has shown, the reassurance he's providing through his daily briefings. Uh, I don't know anyone who likes this situation. Not Businesses are shut down that were mostly, you know, kept uh, at home, uh, you know, away from other people. It's not a good situation, but that uh, people can't imagine a leader handling it better than uh, than our governor is right now. And so we're proud of him. We support him. He and his wife and his whole family are in our prayers through this. And uh, we're just glad he's got such a great team around him with Lieutenant Governor Husted. Yes. And uh, the new star on the Ohio scene, Dr. That, Dr. Acton. Acton. Yes. Yeah. So it's, uh, it's a positive, uh, shining light in the midst of a, a potentially very dark crisis, uh, clouds that are uh, growing around us. Yeah, I, I think one of the biggest, most impressive things I've seen is how the partisanship that's so much part of our daily life, especially when you work in politics, is seeming to go away when you're talking about leadership from the DeWine administration. Um, people who didn't even vote for him are now saying, well, this is a leader that we can get behind. Um, and I think that's really important. And I think that we need to take the message serious that he's putting out there. Um, I do enjoy working from home. I thought it would be cool for something to do, but in the world of politics, I can tell you right now that I'm kind of going crazy here. I want to be out and about. Yes. I want to be talking to people. I want to be talking to my candidates. There's only so much you could do behind a computer screen. Right. So yeah. the, the more that we listen to him and what they're putting out there, the quicker that we're going to be going back to our daily lives as just the normal interactions that we have and the ways that we like to do things. That's right. Yeah, I think the message right now was uh, leveling off the curve or, or something like that. And I think um, our governor is doing a really good job of giving us the correct instructions to make sure that happens. Uh, and, and the best thing you, can, you all can do listening is support him in this and, and support your neighbors and uh, tell them, you know, if you need something, I'm willing to help. help. That's one of the things that is allowed in the order. But at the same time, let them know that, you know, this is a brief inconvenience for us. But it's preventing us from a uh, catastrophe, essentially, and and we need to be focused on that. Um, Not to uh, uh, harp on catastrophes, but that's that's what a lot of people called Tuesday not happening, primary Tuesday not happening. And I don't think I don't see it as that. I see it as the governor and his staff making a decision that was about the public health of Ohioans, which is a real role of government. So there was a lot of leadership shown there. But we are lucky enough to have Chairman Frost, who knows everything about what has gone on since uh, March 17th and where our elections are going. So, Chairman, if you would be so kind, let us know what's going on with our March 17th primary election. Sure. 
The governor, uh, working with our Secretary of State, Frank LaRose, and Dr. Amy Acton made the right decision on March 16th. Yes. Uh, we could not have people having to choose between their health and their safety and even their life uh, or going and exercising their right to vote. We, we couldn't put people in that position. Right. Uh, and that decision was made so late in the game because the advice of the medical professionals changed over the course of that weekend uh, right before that Tuesday election. So what has happened now is we have clarity. Uh, what Secretary LaRose, after Dr. Acton's order, did on March 16th was they pushed off the end date for the election, and they were going to hold it open. Okay. He, he put a date out there. It was actually in June, but it gave us time then to work with the General Assembly and get a, a solid, clear plan in place. Mm -hmm. So the General Assembly has acted. As, a, as we're recording this, it was just yesterday, but it was, you know, it was to uh, open, keep voting by mail open until April 28th. So that is going to be the end date of this election, is uh, that you can keep sending your ballots in until April 28th. A question for people is, well, how do I get my ballot? You can request your ballot right now online at boe.cuyahogacounty.us. Correct. Uh, if you're not sure where to go to get your ballot, Google Cuyahoga County Board of Elections or just come to the RPCC website. We'll, we will get you there. Yes. Uh, you can... Uh, work through the instructions on there. We're going to be sending out emails repeatedly, helping people, um, many of whom maybe have never voted by mail before, get their application submitted to get their ballot mailed to them. Those ballots will begin being mailed out soon. Now, a couple things I want to be sure people know. If you already voted early, if you voted by mail or early in person you're before good. March 17th, you're good. You yeah. don't need to vote again. Those ballots will be counted. Right. If you sent in a request uh, since March 16th, so if you, if you heard on March 17th it was going to be delayed and you, you sent in a request that day, right. or you've sent it in the, the, the week since then, uh, you don't have to send another one. We've got it. Uh, we've got about, uh, about 6,000 requests already just really? in a week and a half. All those ballots will be being mailed out in the first wave of ballots that go out as soon as we're able to begin mailing them. So if you've already voted... Or if you've already requested yours, uh, you don't need to do anything other than uh, if you requested it, vote your ballot when it comes. Mm -hmm. We want people to go to our website, get their slate card. Uh, we want people to be contacting their candidates. If you've got a favorite candidate, particularly if they're in a contested primary, give them a call, shoot them an email or a text, ask them how, they can, how you can help them. Those candidates need to be contacting these voters as they request their vote-by-mail ballot. Uh, provisional voting, uh, you can... If it's a person has a problem with their registration or, or any other uh, issue that might need for them to cast a provi provisional ballot, right. we'll be able to accommodate that Oh wow! Uh, by mail. Okay. If you send it in and it turns out we can't accept it unless it's done provisionally, we'll, we'll, we can remedy that uh, by exchanging mail. Uh, disabled voters, you can call your Board of Elections or contact or otherwise uh, and, and let the Board of Elections know that you need assistance in voting. We're going to get everybody voted. We're going to have full access to the ballot, and uh, we're going to have a full month of uh, extra month of absentee voting in addition to the month of voting we had uh, even before March 17th. And to get this election done, uh, it'll be certified uh, by uh, mid-May, and uh, we'll be able to move on knowing who, uh, who won those nominations and who we're working with going uh, towards the general election. And uh wanted to double back on one thing. With voters with disabilities, such as visual impairments, um, will there be any opportunity for them 
to vote uh, in person at their county voting center, or is that not something that's going to be able to happen? There is. Okay. There is. They can uh, contact their Board of Elections, and whatever accommodations are needed, uh, we can assist that voter and make sure they're able to get their ballot cast. And uh, as, as we go back to kind of the inception of this new system here, um, I, I know you worked with Secretary of State Frank Rose in your Board of Elections role, um, and you were in contact with the governor. Uh, one of the questions that I've gotten is, what's the difference between uh, voting centers in person and what we're allowed to do now, even in our stay-at-home order and going to the grocery store? Right. So there isn't a big... There isn't a big difference. Okay. Uh, you know, could you have people come to, you know, congregate in a location and be able to cast their ballot in person and do it in a safe manner, much like is being done in grocery stores or other places that people need to go? Right. So, so the answer is yes. Uh, the problem, though, you have a number of problems. Number one is your boards of elections are going to have a hard time uh, finding people to work for one day or one period of time to, to staff all of that. So poll workers were poll a problem. Workers, uh, That's different than your grocery store because that guy's already hired. Correct. And okay. An ongoing you know job, whereas being a poll worker, that ends. I mean, that's correct. A, that's a one day job or, or whatever it might be. And um, the other is uh, we have many different ways of getting somebody food, a lot of home delivered meals, other things mm-hmm. like that. We're going to talk a little bit about that, I think. Uh, but the decision to go cast your vote or not, I mean, it is so uh, basic, so foundational to our rights and freedoms. Yes. That to make someone choose uh, between being able to go vote uh, or being able to cast that ballot, we felt it was more important to build out and have a more robust ability for everyone to be able to, to cast their ballot by mail so that no one was having to choose uh, between those two things. Because, you know, we can same way we can deliver somebody a meal. Yeah, we, I, we can deliver somebody a ballot. Right. Let's let's get it done that way and not have people have to think about. Oh my, my I, I, have, I have to think about now going out and they tell me it's safe, but I don't know if I really want to go do this just to be able to ca- cast my vote. And so maybe I'm going to stay at home. And and no one really made it that clear to me of how I would go. You know, get my ballot delivered to me. We're putting all the emphasis on let's deliver that ballot to you. I, I love that. And as millennials, Jeff, we, you know, we love Uber Eats and oh, yeah. DoorDash. So use it a lot. We're use Uber Eats a lot. Uber eating our ballots right now. Right. I think this is a great, great thing. I also want to kind of comment too, and going back to the candidates, that a lot of these candidates that are running probably spent every penny that they had up until that primary election date. If they had any money left over, that was going to be used for poll workers. So any help that we can give them is going to be key over this next month. Whether that be just spreading the word with your friends, whether that be sharing stuff Mm -hmm. on social media, whether that be emailing out our slate card, any way that you can help will help. Yeah, I think that's um, I think that's a a a, a great point. Uh, Chairman brought up the point of um, checking our county website for our slate card. Um, I think that's really important right now Um, because of everything that's going on. It's very easy to forget that we have candidates running. And one of the things that you should be doing in the time that you're waiting for your absentee ballot to get returned to you is checking on your candidates, seeing who you are supporting um, for this election and making sure that you are getting their name right, uh, not just the top of the ticket, but all the way down to our judges and all the things of that nature. Okay. 
Uh, Chairman, are there any things that we're missing here on election update? Um, people know yeah. how to get a ballot. They Let me know. give you a good segue, though, because uh, I know it's something else you want to talk about is some of the, the legislation that's been passed to respond to the coronavirus. So Perfect. legislation that was passed to extend the election uh, also did some other things on the Ohio level. Uh, most materially, uh, we extended the tax deadlines, tax filing deadlines in Ohio to match up with the extensions at the federal level. Uh -huh. uh, and we also, if anybody has a state-issued license uh, that's going to be expiring, uh, we've extended that out, so you got an extra 90 days that, that any license you have. And I'm not just talking about driver's license. I'm talking about any professional license. You know, you're, anything that you're doing where you need to be licensed by the state to do it. Right. If it was expiring tomorrow, you've got 90 days on that, and, and we'll see where we are in 90 days if they need to extend things uh, further. But good things to help people not have to worry about uh, during this while we want them concentrating on their health. Well, it's a great example of uh, legislators responding to what's going on around us in the country. And the same thing is happening in D.C. Um, we have a coronavirus stimulus bill that has taken many forms in the Senate as well as in the House. Um, Democrats and Republicans were differing for I think it was about three or four days on this issue, um, and it kept getting pushed off further and further. Chairman, can you give us just kind of an update of where we stand now with the coronavirus stimulus bill? Sure. The uh, the, the main thing of what, what has just been passed, which they called 3.0 or the CARES Act, what, by whatever name you did, you saw the Democrats being obstructive, I think. But ultimately, you, you finally, for the first time in a long time, we saw some good bipartisan cooperation in Washington. Yeah. So they got something passed. Some of the main things it does is it sends money out to people. A lot of people have, uh, you know, a, a delay in their income. They, you know, the cash isn't coming in right yes. now that they would normally be getting. So getting $1,200 out in the hands of everybody who makes $75,000 or less, anybody who makes $999,000 uh, is going to still get uh, some amount of cash. It caps at that. Anybody making $100,000 or more Correct. is not going to receive a check. Uh, but it also gives support for small businesses, um, $350 billion in loans. And the important thing about these, there were some other uh, SBA emergency loans approved in the stimulus 2.0. Okay. But this 3.0 version uh, – It'll, it says to a small business, we're going to loan you this money. Um, you can use it to uh, pay payroll, to keep your people paid. Wages, uh, benefits. Can, yeah, wages, benefits, sick leave. Uh, you can pay your insurance. You can pay your mortgage or your rent. And if you don't lay people off, if your payroll uh, you know, doesn't go down. You get a tax credit. Can, right. They can, this essentially, in a way, converts into a grant. And so that's real meaningful help uh, for our businesses our small businesses are our number one employer. They are our number one economic driver. They're the engine of the economy. And so for the U.S. Congress to put something in front of President Trump to sign and get aid to small businesses, that keeps people at work. That actually does more than a $1,200 check in the pocket. Yeah. But both yeah. are worthwhile. The, the check in the pocket is immediate, and the small business help is going to help keep our small businesses healthy and keeping people employed. Yeah, um, and, and, and as much as partisanship in Ohio 
kind of went by the wayside in the last few weeks. Um, I was deeply hurt to see the Democrats taking this as an opportunity um, to put in uh, in their form of the bill so many different pet projects, a lot, lots of pork, if that's what we call it when we're talking about uh, lots of pork in the bill. Um, but what we came out of it with is something that's really going to help people. And I, I think it's incredibly important that we really look at this bill and, you know, the criticism was, uh, the Republicans are giving all this money to big corporations and big businesses, not understanding that a lot of these businesses are the employers that keep our country going. Yeah. Um, and, and particularly with small businesses. So to see them actually understanding that if we keep employers going, because it's not about right now, because we could just give out money to people, mm-hmm. but it's about the future. And when this is all over, whether it's in 90 days, 120 days, um, you know, or as the president is saying, Easter at this point, um, you know, when this is all over, we want people to be able to go back to jobs, to continue to participate in the economy and get back to uh, normality, for lack of a better term. Well, one of the keys here, it didn't create a whole new huge federal bureaucracy. It's Correct. getting money, money into the hands of people. And if you're a conservative-minded individual, and if you look at this and say, well, it sounds like I'm eligible to get a check, but I really don't feel I need it, that's fine. You're going to get that. Best thing you can do is put it right back to work in the economy, any way you choose. That's the beauty of it. It's not stuck in Washington paying for overhead and bureaucracy. Spend it. If you want, if you, you know, get a takeout meal, uh, if you uh, order some things that maybe you've been putting off, or if you have a particular cause that you support, put that money into that. Uh, get that money back out working into the economy. That's why it's being sent to you, because we're keeping those, those gears running. I don't necessarily like it. I'm not a fan of big government, but I am much more a fan of putting hands into the, the ha- money into the hands of people yeah. where they can keep it going in the economy than, than seeing some big new program being created in Washington that takes – 70% of the money and just spends it there right? Uh, on, on setting up a whole new maze that people got to wind through just to get any aid. It's best that it be out uh, where people can, can make the most use of it and keeping businesses going. Well, there you go. Uh, Republicans are keeping our election going, making it easy for all Ohioans uh, to vote here uh, in the way of Governor DeWine and Secretary of State uh, Frank LaRose um, and Republicans, as, as well as Democrats on the on the national level, are making sure the economy keeps going. Chairman, really appreciate you for sitting in with us. Um, I know we have to keep moving on today, uh, but thank you for Chairman's Corner this week, and we'll be right back after the segment. I'm Dr. Amy Acton, and I'm Director of the Ohio Department of Health really important that you have access to the most reliable, trusted source of information. Please come to our website, coronavirus.ohio.gov. This is RPCC On Air. Segment two of RPCC On Air, still broadcasting in the midst of a Partial shutdown, is that what we're calling this right now, Jeff? Um, I guess right now. Um, I would just call it stay at home. Stay, stay at, home. at home, please. Stay at home. Well, well, our, I think I know uh, home is where the heart is, and usually the heart's with family, and you guys are my family. So this is home. Yeah. This is home. Yeah. This is home. Uh, segment two, we are blessed with a bonus chairman's corner with uh, chairman of the executive committee, Chairman Peter Corrigan. Say hello, Peter. Hey, guys. How's, how's everybody doing? I'm okay. 
Okay. I'm doing well. Doing yeah. well. It's hey. nice to get out of the house a little bit. Nobody's, yeah. Nobody's coughing. No, that's a good Nobody thing. Nobody has a fever. If you were coughing, you'd be kicked out of the office. I'm, <laughs> I'm just it's a, it's a, it's a it's a no cough zone. Uh but uh you know, Peter's here today and then he's going to give us a few updates on what he's been doing. I want to double back to something we just spoke with Chairman Frost about uh about the coronavirus stimulus bill, the CARES Act or however they're calling it down in DC. Uh, particularly, uh, Peter, I know you have a history within business, small, large. I know you've been in South America. You've been in Asia running supply lines and making sure things work. Um, can you talk about particularly what this $350 uh, billion that is going to small businesses is really going to do for them? And what do you think the impact of that is going to be for business owners and employers? Yeah, sure. Um you know, the stuff I did in my career was more um, medium-sized to large business um, activities, and they, they, they're, not really, they're not really as materially hurt by what's going on over the last three weeks as, uh, as the small businesses are. So I was really encouraged to see that there was a, a small business component in the, um, in the coronavirus bill. I guess that's what we're calling it now. It's, it's at four and, different names. Yeah, and... Um, um, you know, I know there's some things in there that we really raise some eyebrows at. It almost seems like they're going too far in a lot of areas. But on the small business side, you look at it and you'd say, um, this is almost exactly what they need. In order to keep their doors open, in order to keep their employment levels up, um, just having a little bit of an assistance to, to bridge the gap between um, prior to shutdown and, and the other side, that, that's really key. Now, small businesses are 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 60, 66, 67, 68 percent of the total economy right now. Right. In terms of employ, employees. Yeah. So when they shut down and they let their employees go, it's it's a big problem. When a when a um, company like GE or uh, you know a, a company like Amazon, they they're in Amazon right now is in real good shape. Yeah, they're actually hiring people. Yeah, they are a yeah. lot of people. And some of these companies that I've talked to, even the grocery stores, I talked to somebody at a Giant Eagle last last Sunday, and they said their their volumes like double. Uh, have you been in? A, you guys been in a grocery? grocery oh store? yeah, yes. Shelves yes. are empty. They're filling up the shelves in the middle of the night, and the stuff's gone. A lot of the stuff's gone by like ten, eleven o'clock in the morning. So the it's, grocery stores. Another crazy. key thing I want to kind of mention right now, though, yeah. a little bit off topic, is that when you go grocery shopping, don't hoard. No. <laughs> No. Yeah, that's a good point. And, and, you know, it, it's actually a real. It it fits with this um, kind of conversation. It, it's very important that we understand there's no supply chain lacking right now. The, the, there are going to be things on the shelf. Mm-hmm. Uh, what we cannot be doing at this point is causing more panic by taking everything off the shelf. Yeah. So this is definitely a time to think about being a good community member yeah. and thinking about you know. Uh, uh, that wiser, older, older lady who's just going out there for cat food and three rolls of toilet paper, and you're sitting at home with 35 in your in, in your house. There's it's, no it's, need for it's, that. It's, it's no need for that. It's no need for that. I, uh, I can envision a day where we come through the, all of this, and all of a sudden there's this huge supply of toilet paper, and nobody knows what to do with their toilet paper. Yeah. <laughs> so we all go out and toilet paper Colin's house. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Yes. And I'll know who brought the small mob to my house, uh, Peter. Yeah. But but back to these grocery stores. Um, what I've been hearing from some of the owners is that 
they are were so shocked by how fast this hit because they they placed their orders weeks ahead of time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So what's going to end up happening now, and it's going to be you know kind of weird, is that they don't know when this is ending, so they have to they're going to have to keep ordering like this. Well, then so, they're going to overstock on things. Exactly. So it, it, there's going to be a balance to a lot of these things. But, again, support your local grocery stores as well, you know. If you have an opportunity to go to any small business, um, support them, you know. Yeah, it's really important right now. My buddy has a small business right now, and he's kind of struggling because his partner said that he's not doing business for 60 days. Older gentleman, and it's half his clientele, so he's trying to figure it out. I, I think they'll, I think you're right. They will be overstocked. I just don't think it will be for a long period of time. These guys have some of the most sophisticated um, supply distribution uh, inventory systems of any businesses in the world. So um, they'll probably have a spike at some point, but, but they'll work off their spike pretty quickly. It's just amazing how, how fast they're depleting and just right. People are hoarding for ridiculous reasons. Yes. Just to walk in and buy simple stuff, and it's not on the shelf. It's just it's it's beyond belief but but i, I did want to say uh, going back to the um small business contribution or um the, the support that this um that this bill has we we really need that because those it's one of the most difficult challenges on the business side is 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 to um get obtain and maintain your employment level Oh, bring yeah. people in, and and the training is really important. When when you lay off all your employees, they leave, and you can't bring them back. You have this learning curve that you have to go through, and that's painful in and of in and of itself. So, all these small businesses that lose their employees are not only faced with trying to rehire right. in an environment where hiring is difficult, but then they have to retrain as well. So so they're going to be on their knees for a while. And I think having this this component of the bill, that the, the thing that no one really talks about is is how hard that hits them. Yeah. So I'm very pleased with what they're doing on small business side. And I, you know, I think we're all really, really uh, in a great place to hear from a Harvard man <laughs> about how small businesses are going to be affected and hopefully rebound after all this is over. So. Uh, I want you to take your Harvard hat off, take your uh, business hat off for a moment, um, and put your executive chairman hat back on here. Um, you know, we are in the time of change and a chi- time of um, kind of the unknown. Um, and particularly, you know this, uh, as a candidate, this particularly affects you. Um, so uh, what are the, some of the needs that you've been hearing from the candidates and things that we as the party can do to help them? Yeah, that's that's a complex set of questions underlying that 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 top question. But um, we have candidates right now that, in in some cases, have not not ever run a um, a race before. So the entire conduct of of the campaign sort of has to be discussed with them. Right. The strategic planning, the financing. Um, the, uh, the simple things like the advertising and, and the um, economies of scale that, that uh, we can offer them from from downtown here by just working with them on on some like some um, um, consolidation of their vendor efforts and so right. forth. We're trying we're trying to do things like that. I, I think the the scariest thing for the candidates are um, finance, which is always scary, but but uh, the campaign finance filings are. 
people there are immense for people to try to understand. Right. Uh, FEC file is difficult. It has a lot of its own idiosyncrasies, and then learning the state and the local um, the processes. Um, there's the, candidates don't have time to learn those. Um, they don't want to learn those, and they're intimidated. So one of the things that that I try to do is I try to advise and counsel people how to walk through and, their I, and I know finances. some of those have had to been been moved because of the primary date, right? Yeah, yeah. We have an extra filing now for the FEC, which um, it's going to be some certain amount of days from whenever our um, primary actually takes place. So if it's June second, it's going to be May fifteenth, right? But I'm not sure if it's still if June second is going to be firm yet. That may move. They may, that may move up. So yeah. So what, so what we're hearing is, oh, the filing is June second still. Um, no, no the moved. filing's May fifteenth. Okay. June second election. They moved it It'll up. be three weeks before whenever the election is. Okay. We could have a situation where they they determine that the election is actually inside the filing time for the for the FEC. So I wonder what they'll do with that, but. Uh, for now, that's the way it's set up. We have to see when the actual primary date is. Well, at least we know our candidates have a good Harvard and, man helping them figure that out. Yeah, because I do have to say that with filings, Peter, you've been a great help for me <laughs> on certain aspects. Um, any questions needed, please ask Peter. He's he's well-versed, well-prepared. He knows people down at the Board of Elections. We get along now greatly with them. So if you need any help whatsoever, please do reach out to him. Um, and then also keep in mind that like we have 28 candidates running right now in the county. Yes, we have the president running. Yes, we have the vice president running. And then we have two justices running in French and Kennedy. But 28 other people are in our county that need our help. So please be sure to make sure to reach out to them. If you don't know who they are, contact me, contact Peter, contact Colin. Yep, We'll get you the information that's needed to get into contact with them and help, whether it be just sending out mailers that they're able to purchase, um, sending out stuff via social media, emails, or just words of encouragement and just talking with them. Sometimes just a conversation is needed. Yeah, I think that's really important. And that conversation goes uh, to our kind of next point here, uh, communication, and how we have been, uh, as the party, the RPC, been communicating through, through this coronavirus kind of stay-at-home order. Um, all of us, Peter, uh, Chairman Corrigan, uh, Jeff, Chairman Frost, and myself have been calling um, anyone involved with the party. I mean, elected officials, finance members, central committee, executive committee plus, executive committee members. Um, and we're calling not for money, which is usually what people think we're calling them for. We are calling them just to check in, make sure they're okay, um, and see if they need any assistance and convey some of this information that we're actually giving right now on the podcast. Um, overall, those calls have been pretty positive, and you know, it's, it, it amazes me how much people really appreciate us checking in on them. So if you get a call from me, Jeff, or Peter, we're not asking for anything. <laughs> we, just wanna, we just want you to know that you know, we're here to help and we're here if, to support you. If you get you. a call from Rob, he's asking for money, but take the call from us. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's, that, th- those are chairman jokes that they can only make to one another. Um, right. But I know, Peter, uh, Chairman Corrigan, that we have one more big piece of coronavirus communication that we're working on right now as we move to make all of our in-person events um, virtual. And we have a town hall coming up next week, if I'm correct. Yeah, that's right. Jeff has actually gone through the, the work to get everything set up. He's going to send an email out 
Um, the idea behind a town hall, and this is for our members, our membership. Okay. The idea behind the town hall is just to surface any kinds of issues. Um, one of the things that we've been doing in the calls, have been, we've been trying to listen to find out if any, anybody has a particular issue mm-hmm. with their business or with their employees. So if, and if it comes out to be something that's unique or something we haven't heard, we're, we're sort of gathering those, that information up and we're sending it upstream. We're sending it down to, um, uh, to Columbus so they know that there are issues. So Rob's having conversation with, with people downstate. I've had some conversations with people downstate. Our, our plan is to just try to focus um, our efforts at, at um, learning and distinguishing any issues that are the result of this of the shutdown. And um, frankly, most of the conversation has been very encouraging. Um, people understand what has to what has to go on, and um, everyone's fairly accepting of it. But uh, we do have to understand what issues are out there. Anyway, the town hall is next. We're going to have it next Tuesday. We'll send out an email, and and people can voice their concerns, and that's our objective. Well, so, yeah, that will be uh, next Tuesday, the thirty first at six p.m. So you'll get a chance to hear from pretty much all of us on kind of what's going on and voice your opinions and ask any questions. Yeah, I think that's incredibly important. And the only other thing I want to add in there is that um, when we've been making these calls, it hasn't always been about money. And I think that sometimes people think that we're the county party and all we care about is making money and making things uh, run and, and asking people for money. But we've been asking people if they were okay. And one of the things we'll talk about in the last segment is how we've been able to connect individuals to resources, whether it's a courier service, whether it's getting them food, um, whether it's just referring them to uh, maybe an unemployment site or, or to get them the benefits that are going on in Ohio. Um, and all of that information is being funneled uh, through our chairman, up, up through Columbus, and to the people that can really make a difference. So uh, hopefully at that town hall on next Tuesday, 6 p.m., we'll be able to uh, provide a little bit of comfort to people, provide a little bit of information, and we encourage everyone to get on that town hall and figure out um, you know, where they play a part in all this and maybe what they can do to help and get some answers to some of those questions that are floating around with us. Chairman Corgan, thank you for joining us for Chairman's Corner Part 2. Um, this is a, um, you know, a really trying time for all of us, but I really appreciate all the work you're doing, not only with the candidates and, you know, all the grassroots people and getting, um, our verse voices heard in Columbus. Um, you know, we really need that at this point. Well, as with you and, and Jeff, you guys, uh, you guys carry a lot of the, a lot of the weight and a lot of the effort around here. So we wouldn't be where we're at without you guys. So we appreciate your, your help as well. Thank you for sitting in with us. Um, Segment two of RPCC on air is coming to a close here. We'll be right back after our last break. This is Executive Director Jeff Grzewski reaching out to you to join the Republican Party's Executive Committee. For $100, you'll be able to get involved. This will include voting credentials for endorsements and platform, joining a subcommittee, and also membership pricing for all of our RPCC events. To join, please call 216-621-5415 or go to CuyahogaCountyGOP.com. This is RPCC On Air. Segment three of the RPCC On Air podcast. And it's uh, just me and Jeff left now. Yeah, yeah, it is. Um, The last two. 
kind of want to start this off on a note of the simple fact that, Colin, you and I both are millennials. Yes, we are. And we are not participating in any of this TikTok nonsense. No, we're, we're not. We're not licking toilets. We're not licking deodorant. We're no not going on spring break. Yeah. We're not on spring break. We're not on the beach. We're sitting here working. We're trying to make sure everyone in Cuyahoga County is safe. So um, just don't want to give millennials that bad name that we so-called got somehow. Yeah, yeah, we're... We are not the problem. Um, I don't. I don't know how else to say this, and this is kind of a lighter note. But we care about like our grandparents too. Oh yeah, you know. You know. I, I mean, I drop off food to my aunt, but I'm like always making sure that I wash my hands before I see her. There I'm not trying to make direct contact with her. She's an elderly woman. I don't want her getting sick. Yes. Yes. Millennials care. Right. Yeah. I mean, one of the one of the new terms that we're trying to use now is uh, Republicans who care, the conservative heart and all that stuff. (laughs) Millennials care, too. We are not all irresponsible. And even to make it a little bit more clear, the people who are on spring break are Generation Z. Yeah. Those are kids who, you know, we had dial up. Yeah, yeah, these kids oh, didn't yeah. have they dial. Didn't, they didn't understand what that meant. Yeah, so so yell at you yell know, at them. You, you used to get mad when mom was on the phone with your aunt when you're trying to get on aim, talk to some people. There you go, there you go. So those are the people you should yell at. But ultimately, in all seriousness, uh, every American who's relatively conscious at this point is worried about what's going on in our communities, and uh, people like me and Jeff are out here trying to uh, make things better, make make sure people are informed, whether it's about politics, whether it's about the election, whether it's about federal bills that are coming down that may provide some type of relief. We are trying to get that information out there. So um, this isn't a time for divisiveness mm-hmm. and uh, um, uh, pejoratives to any group. There, w- w- I think we should retire the word boomer yeah. for the next four or five weeks. And, yeah. Um, and if you all, and, and if, you know, the rest of the UP, you, you individuals stop calling us lazy millennials who don't care, I mean, that Kyle would be and I great. Are, Kyle and I are going to show you that, like he said, we care. And also we're going to provide you with those opportunities to go out and do something. Um, I know that Colin's working with the food bank around here a lot. He's doing a lot of things within the city. He's recruiting people. He has candidates working with him on these sort of things. So we're not just sitting back and doing nothing. We're not at home on our couches binging Netflix, which a lot of people think that we're doing. We're actually working hard. We're trying to figure out ways in which the community can be better. So Yeah, and, 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 and we need your help. But, Jeff, that was a great segue about the food bank here. Um, you know, the Greater Cleveland Food Bank, who I just need to take a moment and applaud for what they've been doing over the last two weeks here. Uh, essentially, they have doubled and tripled their output now. Um, and as of last week, uh, they had a day where they estimated 4,000 people came to their curbside pickup. A curbside pickup as well as Meals on Wheels, is, you know, a new thing. Not necessarily a new thing, but uh, a way to limit our exposure and direct contact and following with the governor's kind of stay-at-home order. Um, They handed out about 1,500 boxes of non-perishable food, um, essentially a week's worth of groceries. Um, and, And this is something, you know, that they had only been doing monthly but now are switching to weekly based upon the response they generated uh after the coronavirus stay at home and some of the layoffs um and and if you read some of these stories from this article on cleveland.com uh these aren't people who normally seek assistance either people who have been recently laid off um and we talked about 
what this new stimulus bill is going to do to curve some of that some of yeah. those layoffs. Uh, but I mean, they're everything from uh, restaurant workers to transportation officials, all of these things. So it's really important that you know we take uh, the time to actually help out some of these organizations. Oh, yeah. Definitely, uh, and like I mean, the thing to keep in mind too here is that in the city of Cleveland, I mean, how much of our jobs and how much of the amount of business and everything like that is produced from restaurants. Yeah. And related to, right. Yeah. And related to, I think it's really important that we look at that. Um, and, and it's important that we help people, um, at this moment. I think one small way you can do is, you know, tipping your takeout driver or tipping the person that you go to your restaurant to pick up food from. That's really important to these individuals and to keep even these small businesses open and going for any extended amount of time. Um, another way you could do that is by volunteering at the Greater Cleveland Food Bank. I know that we recently sent out an email with the link to do that. Um, they've essentially doubled because they're doubling the output. They're doubling their need for volunteers. Um, and Chairman Frost is already participating in this. You can volunteer in two-hour spans. And I think, Jeff, we can get out another email with that link yeah, in there. definitely, definitely. Where we can do that. Um, you know, even some of our state representatives, like Dave Joyce, uh, was out and um, actually helping uh, along with some of his National Guard and Ohio Military Reserve uh, brethren. I think Jim Trakis was also out yes, there. Yes, yes, the former chairman, Jim Trakis, is yeah. out there. I love seeing that. Yeah. So, I mean, I, you know, uh, again, you know, if you are uh, compromised and your immune system, we're not asking you to go out there and do oh, these. We want to make sure that your health is number one. Right. Right. It's number one family. And then if you have the ability to be out and help, we have those opportunities. Yeah. And so, again, going back to these millennials, um, you know, <laughs> w- we are not necessarily the most impacted group. So uh, the people who have been responding to me and been the first to help. Are millennials. So mm-hmm. tomorrow morning, I'll be going out with a group of four or five of us, and we'll be um, with uh, Mastering Generosities Unlimited, which is a local group that is partnering with the Urban League of Greater Cleveland and passing out food uh, on Saturday. We'll be bagging up food on Friday and then passing it out on on um, Saturday. So you know, again, millennials, we are not necessarily the problem in this in this space. We're actually uh, the solution. And uh, one of the things that I really love that uh, Representative Joyce said, um, he he made a really good quote here. He said that we're all in this together. And again, like I said, we are not going to go on a generation bashing uh, war here and that, you know, America will make it through to the other side of this. But we can't do that if we're not all working together. And I think that has to be our message um, when we're doing anything at this point without working together, without um, reaching across generational lines, without reaching across social economic lines, without reaching across even partisan lines at this point, we're not going to make it through this. But oh, if we yeah. are able to do that, we'll come out better on the other side. And I mean, the way to look at it, too, is that whether you're from left or right, we're all humans. Let's treat each other the way that we should be treating each other and show that, hey, we can get through this. Let's band together. I mean, America is supposed to be the greatest country in the world. Let's show it. Yes, sir. This is our opportunity to uh, prove that we are, in fact, actually making America great again. Yes, yes. And very quickly, I'd be remiss if I talked about the Greater Cleveland Food Bank and didn't give information about um, how you can either get assistance or uh, go ahead and volunteer. So I'll give the number here. Um, People in need, uh, when they're contacting the Greater Cleveland Food Bank, 
uh, should give a call to the number, and that number is 216-738-2067. Once again, that number is 216-738-2067. You will be able to find get information about where you can pick up food or where, um, if if needed, you can actually have it delivered to you via Meals on Wheels. Um, I know they're experiencing a lot of calls, just like a lot of our agencies and organizations throughout the state. So if you have the ability, please visit the greatercleveland.foodbank.org. Once again, that's greatercleveland.foodbank.org. And you can actually either donate monetarily to the organization, or if you do need assistance, you can get information about where to find that assistance at greatercleveland.foodbank.org. And then to all of our candidates, members, and anyone that's involved with the party, I'll be sure to be sending out more information on that again. Uh, via email that way you can sit there and sign up directly through those links we'll have everything in there for you and uh finally in our segment here the the, you know i i i want to leave you all with a moment of light and a light at the end of the tunnel um and i think you know particularly in the african-american community we talk about something uh really important is if you don't know your history you don't know where you came from you can't know where you're going um, and I think that applies to what we're going through right now with this uh, stay-at-home order and dealing with this pandemic and how we're going to actually get through it. Um, an interesting article um, actually was published uh, by Cleveland.com, um, and it was a bit of a history lesson for me because, again, I'm a millennial. Uh, you know, I, I, I wasn't around. I, um, I actually got this information via my mother. She gave me a whole little lesson on it. Yes. So, uh, you know, a, a little history lesson for us. Um, in 1918, the Spanish flu um, had a similar impact on America uh, in, in the sense of it being a pandemic. And a lot of the things that we're going through now, which are shutting down and uh, public places, uh, banning of uh, public gatherings, even churches closing, are the same things that happened in 1918 right here in Cleveland. Um, and for the same reason um, they that they're closing bars and rest and not restaurants, but office buildings, they were closing churches, movie theaters. Um, I don't know what a movie house is. Uh, a dance hall? What's a dance hall? I, I, different times. Different times? Okay. All right. Um, but they were closing all these things that are important to our normal life, canceling football games and things of that nature, similar to the way we canceled March Madness in, in, in Cleveland. That, I, that was very upsetting. You know, I wanted to go see Kentucky with you. Yes, of course. Right. So, you know, similarities here. Um, <laughs> and, and what ended up happening in 1918, and it was a safeguard, um, basically 23,000 people in the city of Cleveland fell ill between September and December of 1918, and 3,600 people died. And that's just in the city of Cleveland. Um, in total, more than 4,400 people uh, in the city of Cleveland died during this 1918 outbreak. Um, businesses lost about $1.25 million in uh, revenue. Many of them had to close. Um, and ultimately, they were going through the same things that we're going through right now. Uh, so businesses lost one point two. Five million back then? In nineteen eighteen, yeah. I can only imagine what that can equate to now. Right. So I think we're gonna see something similar here. Um, but th- there were a couple major differences and you know, one of them is things like what we're doing right now. They didn't have the same type of communication we have right now. 
There weren't podcasts. There weren't emails oh, no. going out. There Not weren't daily press conferences from their governor to really get them to understand these things. So um, their way of basically, you know, uh, getting away from the spike was everyone just kind of stay home and kind of bunker down and it ends when it ends. Um, at this point, we have the ability of technology to have these teletown halls like we're having next next week. Um, you know, all these things to communicate about people about how we make sure that we stop the spread of this virus. Um, and, and, you know, the only big difference between the Spanish flu and what we're going through now is that this particularly affected young people. So, yeah, what would be considered millennials of 1918 uh, were the <laughs> ones who were really getting this. Um, and, you know, I bring all of this up not to kind of belittle or, 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 or make light of what's going on now, uh, but to just let Clevelanders and, you know, our membership know that we've been through things like this before mm -hmm. uh, and that we will get through this as well. Um, and again, like we said, the only way to get through this is together. Uh, so the major shutdown uh, for Cleveland happened sometime around September. Um, and by uh, October and, and, and November, schools were opening again. Uh, business was back to usual. Um, but there were losses. Hotels lost $200,000. Um, Cleveland Rail Company lost $200,000. Uh, theaters lost about $11,000 a day. And soda fountains, soda fountains, Jeff, never been to a soda fountain, uh, <laughs> lost $2,000 a day. Um, in the midst of all of that, we came back though. Yeah. We came back. Yeah. We came together as a city and we came back. So I think that's my message to anyone who can hear my voice right now. I, I know times are tough right now. I know you may be personally affected in your family by someone who now has coronavirus and you're trying to figure out what comes next. Uh, and, and, you know, no one can really tell you when next is going to happen. That's very true. But I think what we need to focus on right now as a community, as a state, um, as a party, is that brighter days are ahead. If we comply with all the things our governor is saying, we can have a brighter future. And we know this because in 1918, our city survived this as well. Mm-hmm. So I, I think that's where we'll kind of end this podcast and let people know we understand it's tough right now. We're here for you. And if you have the ability to be there for someone else. Oh, of course. Of course. And, you know, at the end of the day, we will get through this because we are Americans and because we can work together. And in all honesty, I just want to give a, a brief shout out to everyone that's working in the law enforcement, the first responders, yes, the sir. firefighters, those essential workers, people at the courthouse, and especially our nurses, everyone that's in the hospital. Yeah. By staying home, we're helping them. Yep. And they are out there in the thick of it, fighting everything, helping everyone. So let's give them props and let's make sure that they can do their job safely. Yeah, we appreciate you all. And I think with that, we'll end it with uh, stay safe, everyone. Stay healthy. If you need me or Jeff, we're here. Uh, our numbers are out there. Please give us a call. Do not hesitate. But we will get through this, people. The Republican Party of Cuyahoga County will still be here when this is all over, and we'll be stronger for it. Uh, episode 6 of RPCC On Air has come to a close. Thank you guys for listening.
Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.